I'm Cry Let It All Out with the podcast that'll make you scream and shout. Sweet D Sweetness talking about artists gone on to heaven with the club from Big to Park, Michael Jackson, the Prince. Sweet D here with the rinse plus many more. Come soar the sky. I'm asking why. I'm crying over the loss. Crucial to this world that's spaghetti and sauce. Made music like a boss. Let's go and take their legacy across the world. Cry, sweet D sweetness. This podcast is called Cry, Let It All Out. And what it will discuss is artists that have gone on to heaven that have left a tremendous le- tremendous legacy behind. We want to remember them. We're going to share their music and their history and their love and their talent and their passion and their insights. Cry, let it all out. Podcast by Cry Herself, Sweet D, Sweetness. I am Cry, Sweet D, Sweetness, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about me before we got into the book. The book that we're doing is The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott, and in it, it talks about Biggie Smalls' murder, too. This is the first book that we're going to do, and we're going to go through it, and we're going to discuss it, because the loss of Biggie and Pac is tremendous to Generation X, and I'm crying, and I'm sad, and I'm devastated over their loss. They were the two greatest rappers that ever lived, and you need to know about them, so I'm going to tell you about them today. I am... 49 years old. (laughs) I'm a TV host, a radio host, and an artist, a rap artist. I sing too. I am doing this because, well, let me tell you a little bit more about me. I got my degree from Emerson College, started in 1991, ended in 1996. Well, I walked across a 95 but my degree was awarded to me in 1996. I've been a DJ uh, and a TV host for all that time. When I started, I wanted to become a rap artist because of Biggie and Pac, especially because of Pac. Not saying anything to, to deter their greatness, but I believe first comes Pac, then comes Biggie. But they were both great. They stand together. They pass together, so they stand together. But Tupac made me want to rap. So did Biggie. And that's when I started my quest when I was in college to become a rapper. Um, I want you to... Uh, know that some somewhere else too uh i want you to know that you can listen to me my radio show on wmfo.org 91.5 fm in medford massachusetts just 
Look me up and listen every Saturday. It's called Mint Green from 7 to 8 p.m. And you will have this podcast bi-weekly by me dealing again with artists that have left the legacy and that have passed on that we miss tremendously. I'm going to get into the book now. It's called The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. Chapter 1, The Killing of Tupac Shakur. The championship boxing match between heavyweights Mike Tyson and Bruce Seldon on the night of Saturday, September 7, 1996. Packed Las Vegas with fight fans, including celebrities from every medium. Las Vegas nears peak capacity almost every weekend of the year, but this fight, a premiere event, sold out all the hotel and motel rooms in the city and gridlocked the Las Vegas Strip. It would turn out to be a deadly fight night. Vegas is famous for its boxing events, which have been magnets for high-spending action since Sonny Liston's first round knockout of Floyd Patterson in 1963. Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes, Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, and a long list of great fighters have turned Las Vegas into a world-class mecca for boxing. Heavyweight bouts traditionally wrap Las Vegas in an electrifying atmosphere that rarely materializes during other events. They can gross more than $100 million, especially when Tyson fights. On this day, Mike Tyson was expected to win back the heavyweight championship he lost years earlier to Buster Douglas, and high rulers flocked to the desert at the invitation of the casinos to attend the fight as an opening act to a weekend of partying and gambling. Nothing brings customers to Las Vegas like major heavyweight boxing, and Mike Tyson is the biggest draw in boxing, so it's a big special event for this town, commented Bill Doak, marketing director for the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino, where the fight was held. The exposure Las Vegas will get will be incalculable, in terms of media exposure, a fused Rob Powers spokesman for the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. Everything at the MGM Graham spelled Hollywood. From its upscale stores and gourmet restaurants to the red-carpeted studio walk leading to the MGM Grand Garden, where two fights, one a boxing match, the other a brawl, would take place that night. Tupac pronounced Tupac Shakur, one of the most notorious MCs on the rap scene, was among the many celebrities who assembled at the MGM Grand for the fight. It wasn't the first time Tupac had come to town for a heavyweight bout. Six months earlier, 
Tupac and fellow gangster rap artist Snoop Doggy Dog had attended the Mike Tyson Frank Bruno fight at Caesar's Palace. Also in town for the Tyson Selden matchup were the Rev Jesse Jackson, an avid fight fan and a familiar face in Las Vegas on fight weekends, as well as rapper MC Hammer, television star Roseanne, basketball player Gary Payton, and hip-hop's Too Short and Run DMC. They, along with 16,000 spectators in the arena, millions more sitting glued to the pay-per-view cable channel, watched as Tyson dismantled Selden in exactly 109 seconds. The spectators barely had time to settle into their seats before they found themselves getting up again and filing back out of the arena. Some spectators remained in their seats for a few minutes afterward, booing the boxers. Tupac took in the fight with Marion Sug, short for his childhood nickname, Sugar Bear Knight, co-founder and owner of Death Row Records, Tupac's recording label. They sat in seats reserved for them in the front row, some of the best seats in the house. The song that played over the public address system during Tyson's entry into the ring was written by Tupac. After the fight, Tupac and Chug, along with members of their entourage, were making their way through the casino toward the entrance of the hotel when they got into a scuffle with a then-identified black, unidentified black man whom police would later learn was 22-year-old Orlando Anderson of Compton, California. This fight outside the fight became enormously significant in the light of the events that followed. After security guards broke up the altercation, Tupac, Suge, and their crew headed for the valet area, got into about a dozen high-priced luxury cars, and left the MGM Grand and a caravan headed for the Luxor Hotel, a block south across the Las Vegas Strip. Tupac was staying with his girlfriend, Kadada Jones, Quincy Jones's daughter, in one of the rooms Suge Knight had booked at the Luxor for the weekend. Tupac changed his clothes from a tan silk shirt and blue jeans to a black and white basketball tank top, bluish green baggy sweats, and black and white leather short leather sports shoes. He was wearing a large round gold medallion on a chain around his neck. It wasn't the medallion Shug gave him when he bailed Tupac out of jail a year earlier, the one with the diamond-studded death roll insignia, a hooded prisoner strapped into an electric chair. The medallion wore to the fight was the size of a paperweight and probably just as heavy, picturing a hallowed and winged black man wrestling a serpent with one hand and holding a gun in the other. Tupac didn't pack a weapon that night. He also didn't wear a flak or bullet-resistant jacket. Friends say Tupac usually wore a Kevlar vest for fear of being shot, but not that night. He always felt safe when he visited Las Vegas. 
after all, it was a party town, and he was going there to kick it and watch his buddy from Mike kick butt. Besides, a flag jacket would be too hot in the desert heat, he told Kadada when she packed the clothes earlier that day. Waiting for their cars in Luxor's valet area, Tupac and his friends were videotaped on a tourist camcorder, smiling and chatting casually with a couple of women. When the cars were delivered a few minutes later, the group piled in again and drove to Suge Knight's Las Vegas residence in the southeastern valley on Mount Rosa Avenue in the Paradise Valley Township. The Las Vegas subdivision boasts some of the oldest estates in Las Vegas Valley and is home to many of the wealthiest and most powerful Las Vegans. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Sergeant Kevin Manning, who led the Homicide Division, said the group went to Suge's house to relax before attending a benefit party at a Las Vegas night spot. Located at 1700 East Flamingo Road, known as Club 662, after his fight with Selden, Tyson was scheduled to appear at Club 662, which Suge ran and some say held a financial interest in. At about 10 p.m. after others in the group had changed their clothes and had a few drinks, the entourage left Suge's house and headed back to the action. Tupac rode shotgun with Suge, driving the car Death Row had rented for him, a 1996 black 750 BMW sedan with dark-tinted windows, chrome wheels, leather upholstery, and a sunroof. The music was cranked up on the car stereo, and they were in a partying mood as the caravan of luxury cars, a Lexus, a BMW wagon, a Miata, and a Mercedes-Benz, carrying friends and bodyguards, followed them. They cruised the three-mile-long Las Vegas Boulevard, commonly referred to as the Strip, which was jammed with the kind of stop-and-go traffic that is the norm for a Saturday fight night. The sunroof of the BMW was open, and the windows rolled down. Suge and Tupac were hollering above the hip-hop blaring from the car's speakers. Tupac and his crew easily recognized were turning heads on the strip. A photographer shot a frame of Tupac and Suge sitting in the car. The photo would later garner between 800 and 5,000 each time it was sold for publication and entertainment and business magazines or to air on TV tabloid and news shows. It was the last photo taken of Tupac alive. At 11.05 p.m., Suge was stopped on Las Vegas Boulevard by Metro Patrol cops for playing the car stereo too loudly and for not having license plates displayed on the BMW. A few minutes later, the officers let Suge go without ticketing him. Tupac and Suge laughed about it as they rounded the corner onto Flamingo Road, heading past Bally's toward Club 662, just two miles away.
They never made it. Most of Tupac's bodyguards, including former Orange County Sheriff's Department's Reserve Deputy Frank Alexander and their associates, decided not to arm themselves before going to 662. They felt the same as Tupac. They were going to a party in a town far removed, or so they thought, from the gang street violence associated with Los Angeles. They probably could have slipped their guns into the MGM Grand Garden that night if they wanted to, according to John Husk, executive director of the MC MGM's arena operations. They were there were no metal detectors used at the Mike Tyson fight on September seventh. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police were out in droves, and private security was heavy at the Grand Garden during the fight night. Sergeant Ron Swift with Metro's Special Events Section and officers were assigned inside the casino near the boxing arena to strengthen the hotel's own security. On property, we had some officers augmenting hotel security at the event itself, Swift said. We do it at every major fight, as well as at concerts, rodeos, and parades. The arena was not the only place cops were assigned to provide a show of force. Special events officers working overtime were stationed at the gate to Shug's neighborhood, which hometown associations, which Metro, excuse me, because of county ordinance, does not patrol. The Homeowners Association of many gated communities in the Las Vegas Valley hired private security officers to patrol inside their walls. Metro police were also contracted to be present at Club 662 after the fight. Overtime for the off-duty Metro police officers was billed to death row records. Death row asked us to do it, Sergeant Swift said. My only concern at the time was traffic and public safety. If a company comes in and asks for extra security, we provide it. Death Row requested it formally for Metro. One officer claimed that Death Row asked that only African-American cops be assigned to work both Club 662 and Shug's house. The request was made for only black police officers, the source said. But Swift couldn't confirm it. I've never heard that Knight requested black officers. The request may have come in, but I didn't hear about it. A black sergeant, along with six to eight other black officers, were assigned to the party at Suge Knight's house following the fight, the source revealed. Tupac felt safe as he rode toward Club 662 in the BMW Suge was driving. Friends and bodyguards were nearby, and Metro cops were stationed at the house and the club. 
In fact, the party at Club 662 was sponsored by Metro Police Officer Patrick Barry, a retired professional boxer, to raise money for Barry's Boxing Gym on Vanessa Drive in the southwest area of the Las Vegas Valley. Tupac, Run DMC, and Danny Boy were scheduled to perform at the charity event, intended ironically to raise money to keep children away from violence. Club 662, a marquee, advertised the event as Barry's Boxing Benefit, produced by SKP, Shug Knight Productions, a line started forming outside the club at 5.30 p.m. Hundreds of people paid $75 each to get in. Barry's Boxing Benefit, organized by Las Vegas attorney George Kellesis, who once represented Suge, would also help Tupac stay out of prison by fulfilling a court order and condition of probation in one of his criminal cases in which he was ordered to perform community service in lieu of jail time. The convoy was headed east on Flamingo Road when it stopped for a red light at Coval Lane, a busy intersection only a half mile from the strip across from the Maxim Hotel. One associate pulled up a car length ahead to the right. Excuse me. Another car stopped directly behind them. In it were rapper Gafu Fula and two associates, one a bodyguard and the other a rapper. Another car was in front of the BMW at the stoplight. The sidewalk and street were heavy with pedestrians. The BMW was boxed in. Four young black women sitting at the stoplight in a Chrysler sedan next to the BMW turned, smiled at Sugar and Tupac, and caught their attention. A moment later, a late model Cadillac with three to four black men inside pulled up directly to the right of the BMW, skidding to a stop. A gunman sitting in the back seat stuck a weapon out of the left rear window of the light-colored caddy in full view of the entourage. The gunman tracked Tupac from inside the Cadillac. Sugar and Tupac saw the caddy, but they had no time to react. Suddenly, the sounds of the night were shattered by the pop, pop, pop of a killer inside the Cadillac, emptying a magazine clip from a high-powered semi-automatic handgun. At least 13 rounds were sprayed. That's how many bullet holes and casings investigators counted into the passenger side of the BMW. Five bullets pierced the passenger door. Some shattered the windows. Startled, Tupac tried frantically to scramble into the back seat through the well beaten through the through, through the well between the front seats. In doing so, he exposed his middle and lower torso to the gunfire and took a round in the hip. Should grab Tupac pulled him down, and covered him. He yelled, Get down! 
That's when Suge was hit with a fragment in the back of his neck. Tupac was plugged with bullets at close range. Three rounds pierced his body. One bullet lodged in his chest, entering under the right arm. Another went through his hip, slicing through his lower abdomen, and ended up floating around in his pelvis. Yet another bullet hit his left hand, shattered the bone of his index finger, and knocking off a large chunk of gold from a ring he was wearing on another finger. The gunfire nailed Tupac to the leather bucket seat. Glass and blood were everywhere. Suge grazed in the neck from the flying shrapnel and glass fragments, a small fragment lodged in the back of his skull at the base of his neck. Bullets also blew out two of the BMW's tires. The gunfire ended as quickly as it began. The shooting of Tupac Shakur, executed in cold blood, was over in a matter of seconds. You hit, Suge asked Tupac. I'm hit, Tupac answered. Some reports in Metro Police sources say members of the entourage immediately returned fire. Although no other cases were found, police said revolvers may have been used, which leave no telltale shells behind. Sergeant Manning admitted, we did hear reports that gunfire was returned, but we were unable to validate it. There was no evidence. Two Metro Police Bicycle Patrol officers were on a call concerning a stolen vehicle in the parking lot at Maxim when they heard the first shots fired at 11.17 p.m immediately hopped out on their mountain bikes and pedaled toward the street where they heard the gunfire. I'm going to stop there with the killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. This is a 30-minute podcast, and each week I will read to you the killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. It's an excellent book, and it talks about the death of Tupac and Biggie. Look forward to many other artists that we have lost, like DMX and Bismarcky and other artists that we have lost on this podcast as well. Like I said, Michael Jackson and Prince. I'm going to go out with the poem that I wrote. I miss you so much. Your music gave me a rush, like a cold drink on a hot summer's day. To you I want to say, please come back, talent you didn't lack. You're like McDonald's without the Big Mac. Who killed you? Tragedy? Now look what we're going through. I feel blue now that I don't see you. Like that color in the red, white, and blue flag. I'm sad. Finding who murdered you would make me glad. Written by Sweet D Sweetness Cry. This podcast is called Cry Let It All Out. Let it all out. We must let it all out. But we gotta find who murdered them. 
it is devastating that they're gone. So I want you, America, for the artists like Bob Marley too, for those artists that are not here, cry and let it all out. And just on another note, if you're feeling sad and some tears come rolling down, let it all out. Let all the tears flow. I cried when Tupac and Biggie died, when Michael Jackson and Prince died. I cried. It hurt me so bad. So I'll see you next in a couple of weeks. And the book is The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. Cry, sweet D, sweetness. Same peace, America. And I love you.